Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Everyone hear me okay? When, uh, when Rita and I first heard about the church here and we didn't know we didn't know what was going on we just we just knew that God wanted us here and uh, we were praying uh, for a place to go and we wanted the place to be where God wanted us and Bob a lot like you we came in not knowing. Really, we, we thought one thing, but God had something else in man, in mind. And uh, several years ago, before uh, before I met Rita, it <coughs> seems like in another life. Uh, I failed God. I failed God and I failed my family. And uh, it took separation and divorce for God to really get my attention. And then, you know, People, people are, are, are so single-minded and on crazy things. When Jesus' primary focus is to love us. And, and, and we get all hung up on junk. And, and we just... And we just refuse to forgive ourselves sometimes. I know that um, it's a miracle I'm standing up here in front of you as an ordained elder. Because I surrendered my credentials when when everything was going on with my ex-wife. And Rita, bless her heart, she said, well, you gotta keep, you gotta call them, you gotta tell them, you know, you, you gotta let them know that you, you, you really want to get them back. And I said, no, the, the, when the Lord's ready for me to have them, he'll work it out. And she told me that again, and I said, okay, I will call them and see what's going on. So I called. And they said, well, we don't have any record of you ever surrendering your credentials. I said, really? I surrendered them to so-and-so. Well, we had some, uh, uh, he had a heart attack and, and a lot of the information was boxed up and, and brought to the, 
office and and then we moved the office and well your credentials are here somewhere I'm sure but we have no idea where they are I said okay and I just let it lay at that and I said the Lord will work it out finally I get a call and it's from the uh, assistant district superintendent uh, of the Illinois, of the Chicago Central District. And he says, uh, we'd like you to come up here and, and meet with us and we'll discuss your situation and, and what's going on. And I said, sure, uh, just let me know when. And he gave me a time, and I went and met with him, and I told him the situation. I told him what I went through, and I, and, uh, I told him the Lord has completely turned my life around since then, and, and so much has changed. And we prayed, and I went home, and I didn't know what was going to happen. Because a lot of times this has to go through all kinds of different uh, avenues and stuff. And I get another call, and say, he says, uh, "Brother, we uh, we can't find your your credentials anywhere, but we're going to contact the home office, and we're going to have them produce a duplicate of your credentials." and send it to you because we have, we have no doubt in our minds that God is, is in your life and that you have changed from who you were and that God still wants to use you Amen. and he has still called you and I, <laughs> I'm going I can't believe this is happening God thank you but you know what happened? God, God just keeps giving and blessing and blessing. I'd hardly gotten my duplicate. They had some, <laughs> it had some typos on it. I'd hardly gotten my duplicate. And I get a call. Brother Milton, we... Uh, <laughs> We found your original ordination. And if you would like to, to mail the duplicate to us, we'll send you your original. I said, uh, where can I meet you? <laughs> so we found out where they were, and it just happened we were going up by that way anyway. So we stopped by, had to wait an hour or two because it turns out they were in meetings. And I now have my original ordination certificate. God is so good. And then he brought us here. He brought us here to refine us. And 
every morning <laughs> around two o'clock, I have a fellowship one with one on one with my Lord. And it's an amazing time. And sometimes, like the other day when I was late for work, sometimes I just I just lay down and I said, Lord, just let me lay in your in your arms for a while. In your presence. And that morning I laid down and I woke up to my, uh, well, I didn't wake up to an alarm. I didn't have my alarm set for any time. I usually have a second one just in case. I woke up 11 minutes after 4, which is 11 minutes past what time I was supposed to be at work. But I had such a sweet peace at that time. And this morning... I want to share with you a passage and something that the Lord, how the Lord spoke to me and brought to remembrance something I hadn't thought about in years that relates to relate the message that he has for each of us. And my mouth is getting dry. I so enjoy the Passion Translation. And there's so much, there's so much that comes out in it that we seem to have been missing. The other day I was reading in Mark, I've been reading, reading through and sometimes rereading through. Uh, but reading in Mark, and in Mark uh, chapter 9, we find the disciples come, come to Jesus and they say, Well, you know, uh, we saw somebody that was healing in your name, and so we told him not to. And Jesus rebukes them. And uh, he goes on and he talks about some of the abuses of the, of the religious leaders and stuff. And he tells about the, the punishment for, for those that uh, put burdens upon the little ones that believe in him. But then he adds, he, he it kind of adds to the end of it the, the scripture, his uh, word on salt. In verse 41, uh, 49, he says, everyone will pass through the fire. This is the Passion Translation. Everyone will pass through the fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is excellent for seasoning, but if salt becomes tasteless, how can its flavor ever be restored? Your lives, like salt, are to season and preserve, so don't lose your flavor. 
and preserve the peace in your union with one another. There's a whole lot in that scripture. And, and when I was reading it, it reminded me of what uh, other passages that, where Jesus said, you are the salt, you are the salt of the earth. And says almost the same thing. find my place here. I write all this stuff down. There. But in Matthew 5, 13, that's what he says, you are the salt of the earth. And I was reading this, and it, and it had just talked about the uh, some translations says where the worm dies not, talking about the punishment and everything. And then, it, then he talks about the salt. And you know, salt is used for a lot of things. Salt is used for a lot of things, and it's, we've kind of, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with our world that we don't use so much salt anymore that some of the meaning of God's word is gone, has gone out of it. When I was growing up, we used salt for a lot more things than we do today. Uh, if we had a sore throat, we'd gargle it with salt water. If you had nothing else around and you, and you had a cut, you could put salt on it. Salt would it'd burn, but it would sterilize that area. It, um, it's a disinfectant. Um, it's a um, antibiotic. It's also a, a herbicide. Did you know that if you pour a lot of salt out on the ground, nothing will grow on it? And this is where, you know, you get the, the idea of an enemy coming along and salting the ground so that nothing can grow there. And that has spiritual implications as well. But as I was reading this, and I hope I can explain it so you'll understand because in our refrigerated age, we don't quite understand what Christ is getting at with the salt. You see, when I grew up, we, uh, we raised hogs. And we didn't raise them for, for, uh, to sell or anything. We raised them to have food for the family. And uh, my dad used to say, when he grew up, they ate everything but the squeal. Okay? And it was pretty much true. Um, because every bit of food you could get out of that animal was something that sustained your family. But growing up, we... Uh, 
we would raise our hogs and we would slaughter them ourselves. And uh, so around butchering time, my dad preferred to go out. We, we would bring them into a, into a smaller pen and my dad preferred to stick them, which would be to stick them in the throat and, and cut their throat so that they bled out. And uh, some people might be a little squeamish about this, but my, my dad loved to have his scrambled eggs and brain. And, you know, if you shot, if you shot the pig in the head, you didn't get your scrambled eggs and brain. So, <laughs> no brain no. <laughs> but uh, when uh, after the after the uh, hog was slaughtered, we would let it bleed out, and then we would take we would dip it in a in a big, usually a, a big drum that was full of water, boiling water, and scald the outside of the hog so that we could scrape off all the hair and all the, you know, the outside skin. Now, it was a lot of work. But you see, doing that instead of trying to skin the hog gave us uh, cracklings when we rend it. You understand rending, don't you? When we rend it down the, the uh, lard, you know, the fat and the lard. So it was clean skin when it went in. And, that, and rending the lard was a long, hot process, even, even when it was cold weather. But as it says in the notes in, uh, in the Passion Translation, in the days of Jesus, as soon as the animal was killed, it was salted to preserve the meat. And that's what we did. We would cut the, the hog up. We cut, you know, we'd cut up the, get the ham and the shoulders and the fat back and the bacon and the jaws. <laughs> oh, Logan's going to be hungry after this. And so is Tim, I think. But uh, we, would cut, we would cut all these off, and then we would take them, and we would pack them in salt. I mean pack them in salt. We'd throw down a, a layer of salt two or three inches deep. I'm talking a lot of salt. Throw a ham or a shoulder on there, make a layer of it. And they had to be separated because you didn't want them bumping up against each other because that kept the salt from going in. And then we would fill that up and throw another layer of meat on top and on top of all of that, fill it up with the salt. Now what this did is it made sure that everything was covered so you didn't get any flies getting in there because the flies aren't going to mess with the salt. And it would cure for two to three months. Now, you think that's a long time. Now, this is in the, 
This is in a cool part of the fall. And today's thinking, we, were, we would go, uh, wouldn't that meat be rotten? But you see, what happens with the salt is it draws the moisture out of the meat. And as it does that, a capillary action happens and the salt goes back into it. And so the salt penetrates every part of that meat. Every single part of it. And sadly today, we really, to tell you the truth, it's not practiced today. And another sad truth is that in our refrigerated age, the church does not practice the penetration of the salt of the Holy Spirit as it should. Now this morning we had a salty worship time. And I think, Bob, I think that's what we needed. We needed to be so penetrated with the Holy Spirit, so surrounded that it just, it, it, we couldn't get away from it. It just began to fill us. You know, ideally, when we killed those hogs, that meat would still be warm. And I was thinking about that this morning. When the Holy Spirit moves during the worship service, the Holy Spirit is warming our hearts. And he's preparing our hearts. Well, one year, my dad decided that maybe he, you know, all this, all this hard work of preparing this hog was, was maybe too much. And somebody talked to him about, you know, where you can take them to the slaughterhouse and they'll take care of all of that and they'll cut it up and they'll give you sausage and all ground up and, and all you have to do is bring it back and, and, uh, and prepare it what you normally do. Well, well, he tried that. Well, by the time they called and we could get down there, the meat was cold. And so when we packed it in the salt, the salt didn't penetrate. Now, you wouldn't notice it. You know, you wouldn't notice it so much because it looked the same. But when we hung it up in the smokehouse to be smoked, the fact that the salt had not penetrated all the way down to the bone allowed a place for flies to come in 
and the flies laid their eggs on the meat. And if you've got a weak stomach, you won't want to hear the next part. They hatched, and where did they go? Down through the meat. Now they didn't, they usually, most of the time they didn't get into the, the flesh part, they got into the fat part. Because the salt had gotten into the, most of the, the flesh part, it was just the fatty part. We had to throw away a lot of meat. Because it was ruined because it wasn't preserved properly. And I think in the church that I grew up in, the church that I grew up in, I'm not talking about one single church. There's a problem with a coldness in the church. There's a problem with a coldness and when you walk in, you don't feel the spirit. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you walk in the door and you feel the spirit. But as soon as you sit down, you realize something's not quite right. And what is happening is people are, are coming to Christ through their ministry. But they're not being saturated with Christ. Because they're not, because they're cold. They've been chilled to the bone in situations and in, in environments that just aren't conducive to the Holy Spirit. And like that meat, before long their lives become infested. Because there's just there's just not enough salt in their lives. Some of the problems with this coldness is because people are putting on a show. I've <laughs> you see it a lot. You see it in the big churches. You see showmanship is more important than anointing. A good a good speech is better than <coughs> proclaiming God's word. And sometimes pastors are so worried about whether or not they're going to go to the next level or not that, that they don't promote the presence of the Holy Spirit. They're just looking to build up numbers so that they can look good. 
And then what happens is the church becomes cold and suffers because of it. The little flies come in. Where the, where the fire of the Spirit is, then there's going to be heat and warmth and joy and love. A welcoming spirit. And it doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how ridiculous our lives have become or how far down. Because Jesus loves us. Amen. Amen. That's good. Yes. The, pro the, problem, the problem we have is that we have this thinking that, that we have to do this and this and this when all Jesus really asks of us is to love and Amen. worship him. And all the rest will start to fall into place. Right. And I just, want, I just want to be so saturated with Jesus. So packed in the salt of his Holy Spirit, Spirit and his presence. That when, the, that when the world heats up around me, that what comes out is just Jesus seasoning the, the situation. You remember the you remember the old country cured ham, the real stuff. Take a chunk of that and put it in your beans. You didn't have to add any salt because all the flavor came out of that right into the meat and it, right into the beans or whatever you cooked with it. And that's what we need to be to the world. We, we need to be that flavoring. And that flavor is Jesus. And it may get tough on us. You know, we get, sometimes we've got to get warmed up. Sometimes we've got to get warmed up. So trials come. And hard times come. Aggravations and frustrations the kids get crazy and do weird stuff. And, but if, if we keep allowing the Holy Spirit and the love of God to flow out from us, it's going to season that situation. And just, and just like I know personally, we don't know what that next person's turning point will be. What will change their lives. And I don't know what your turning point will be. But this morning, I can tell you this with certainty. You just need more Jesus. Just more of him. And from experience, I can tell you this is a place. If you want more of Jesus... And I invite you this morning 
as we close out the service, if you want more of Jesus, now's the time. Don't wait. <laughs> Quit listening to the lies of the enemy. Because he'll tell you all kinds of stuff like you're not worthy, you're not worth it. Somebody else ought to be doing that. Because if God calls you and says, I'd like you to do that, he's going to give you the ability. Yes. He's going he's to give you the talent you need. He's going he's to give you the voice to do that. Yes. And he's going to take... He's going to take the very essence of who you are and fill you with the very essence of who he is until he just bubbles out all over the place. Listen to him this morning. Don't worry about me. Listen to him. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.